In a flash, four guilders, an undead warrior, and a small stack of frogs find themselves standing in a small pond. Around them are the members of the Deepwood City Council, covered in varying degrees of bright blue vines all in some stage of catatonia all around you are beautiful plant life diverse almost alien but all beautiful snaking up them as well are these tendrils that seem to be spouting small flowers off of these creeping vines And at the heart of all of this, standing atop of rock in front of a waterfall, is an entity you only know as the shepherd. Thin, wearing a wooden horned mask, strange blue tattoos covering their body, holding a staff and a golden lantern. You are not sure where you are. Val, you saw this place briefly for a moment when you connected your mind with the council members of Deepwood and with the shepherd. But you all now can take this in for at least a moment. But as you try to take in this place, try to assess the situation, try to understand where you are, what you're doing, what you can do. Much in the same way that you were brought here by a tidal wave of power and emotion and feeling, you cannot help it as not just your mind, but a memory is pulled out of you as you stand in this place. Perhaps this is a memory that you always keep close to you, or always lurks just out of sight, or is buried so deep that you never have to see it again. What is happening is still not clear to you until you see the shepherd begin to approach you all. You didn't see them step down from their rock. They are just now there in the pool with you. Their eyes glowing yellow look upwards, and you see faint traces of bluish color swirling. It's hard to pick out, but you get the impression that a scene is playing. A scene that came from somewhere inside you. The shepherd looks at all of you and says, you really did come here. That is... Very impressive. And you hope to save the council, and they kind of 
gesture over their shoulder at, again, these unresponsive figures who have not reacted to you being here at all. And maybe get a few answers. Well, I look forward to seeing you all try, but I certainly would like a couple answers of my own. Shepard is kind of walking a little bit back and forth, and you guys are almost paralyzed by this overwhelming sense of feeling, of maybe sadness, maybe regret, maybe anger, maybe disappointment, but it is so much to bear that you feel like you can't do anything, that you might not feel anything that isn't that ever again. The shepherd is kind of looking at whatever they can see that you guys can't quite make out clearly, and they step in front of self and take a minute and really look at what is playing. They say some real heartache here, but yours is very interesting, Selvastralin. Even I can't see what this is. That's that's very interesting. What is it that I can't see in this tapestry in front of us? So Selv is doing his best to stay stoic, but there is a flash of concern that kind of goes across his face as he realizes that this thing he was sworn to protect is now vulnerable. It is nothing that concerns you. Well, I appreciate your conviction. And Kaskrin looks around too, pointedly itself, and tries to open his mouth to say something, but in his own face, in his own usual stony face, is just rage, turmoil, despair, and it's all he can do to hold on to his hammer and try not to let any of that out. It's as if if he were to open his mouth, it would just come pouring out. The shepherd sees Kaskrin moving around a little bit, or reacting, I should say, and they just look at you, and their eyes kind of flick up and flick back down, and take you in. But they they just turn back to self. The shepherd looks again at self and says, well, that is something I will have to look into. And why don't I do it right now? Because I don't think you can stop me. They begin to kind of reach out their staff, their curved staff, to almost touch you on the head with it. No. And I will attempt to hit the shepherd. Okay, what does that look like? I am going to try to hit him either in the the chest or maybe if I can, the throat to get him to stagger backwards. Mm -hmm. You reach out your fist and you kind of break through this desperation 
breaks through all of this kind of turmoil and all the feelings that you're having. And just as you're connecting, you, you can feel your knuckles are starting to scrape against this kind of tattered robe that they're always wearing. This blue, wispy, semi-scene coalesces in front of the shepherd and envelops your arm and in an instant you are surrounded and constricted by it. You now realize what this is. That this scene that has been playing faintly is a memory, is an event in your life. But more accurately, it is a feeling. But most accurately, as you are drawn into an emotional and mental communion with the shepherd, with the Deepwood City Council, and your fellow guilders in this strange demiplane, the worst day of your life is swept out of you and put on display. So, Self, how does the worst day of your life begin? It is nighttime at the monastery, and there is a, a full moon in the sky, and it is on a mountaintop. So while it is cold, it is actually not winter. Selv is just out in the courtyard of the monastery, maybe next to a cherry tree that has not begun to bear any fruit yet. He is out there practicing, and there are several practice dummies set up and he's just going through different motions slowly and trying to to hit accurately not necessarily with power but to just get the location down as he's practicing an alarm gong begins to go off so self looks around because since he has been there there has never been any kind of alarm that has been has been raised you start to hear a commotion well Anyone who is even remotely nearby reacts probably in the same way that you do, of a little confusion and a lot of concern. Voices start to murmur, you start to hear footsteps, and you start to hear the sounds of fighting. Selv takes off towards the monastery where all of the, the commotion seems to be coming from. As you advance more and more voices of fellow adherents, maybe even visitors, but anyone who is currently inside the temple or nearby start to cry out with more and more vigor and panic and order. But for some reason, a voice you pick up of this, this cacophony of, again, footsteps of fighting of all this is Val's voice. And you hear Val say, Selv, Selv, whatever you're doing, whatever you're keep, doing going. keep going. It'll give us time to, save the, time to save the council. Keep it up. Keep it up. I'll kind of slow down at that point after hearing that. Just look around. In that moment where you're kind of pausing and processing, it's like, wait a second, that's not what happened. And your brain is just kind of trying to wrap its head around both being totally present 
and kind of having this almost deja vu, what the heck feeling, you hear the shepherd's voice interject and says, is this where you're from? Is this where you're from? I will say underneath my breath, get out, you do not belong here. Self, as you continue running towards the monastery, you do not hear a reply from the shepherd. Instead, you hear a familiar voice, both to memory self and to current self. And this is Master Lena Senga, a half-elf who is one of the three kind of heads of the monastery here. They come up to you. They are clearly in informal garb. Loose-fitting, comfortable clothing, still a degree of presentability, but kind of in plain clothes, essentially. But their face is one of a commanding presence. They look at you and extend a hand, trying to compel you to slow down. So being slightly conflicted between Val telling him to keep going and... Master Senga <laughs> saying, all right, slow down. I guess Selv's instinct would be to obey the master of the monastery. So at least for the time being, I will slow down and give the, the appropriate bow. And the longer you're here, like Val's voice snapped you out of it for just a moment, as did the shepherd. But the more that the memory plays out, the more you kind of just go back into autopilot. Like you're just living the memory again. So you have that moment of kind of indecision, but kind of the final tipping point is like, this is what happened. And so I have to keep doing the thing. I will give a slight bow and say, uh, Master Singa, how may I be of service? Master Singa, in her informal garb, gently puts a hand towards your chest and says, Selvastolin, this is the time when we need you the most. We cannot let any of our enemy pass this door. I have my duties elsewhere, but no matter what, you must hold the line. Stay here and defend this with your life. You are our last protector. And in that sort of same dreamy autopilot, there's just a phrase that sort of snaps you out. You hear this kind of echoing voice in the distance. Self! Self! Keep it up! Whatever you're doing, you've got to buy us more time! And then your master, locking eyes with you, waits just to pause to see how you react to this probably unfortunate news. I will stay. I will stop whoever comes out. Moments that to you must feel like hours pass by. You don't see much of what's happening, but you can hear it. You can hear sounds of battle. You can hear cries of pain. You can hear shouts. But still you wait. As I'm waiting, I'm watching the doors, watching the doors, watching the doors. But I'm also pacing back and forth because... I really want to go in and help, but I was told to stay out here. And it's kind of that nervous energy of something's going to happen. And now you're just kind of like waiting for it to happen. And 
either how old is Selv or how how along his journey at the monastery is Selv at this point. This was probably at least three or four years ago. Selv is still considered to be a um, a novice and. I guess game mechanic wise, this would put him at first level. Yeah, so of, it's, of it's a monk. three or yeah. four years ago, five or six levels ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Baby sale. Baby yeah. sale. Little self. He's, he's got. Uh, even though he's the the fur and his hair has always been silver. Maybe it's a little bit brighter silver than <laughs> uh, than what you. Does he have what, like a little soul patch instead of like a full? <laughs> yeah, hair? instead of, instead <laughs> of the full team. Yeah, it's, yeah. some sick nose piercings. <laughs> Come on, Master Linga. <laughs> it's not a mange, the mullet. <laughs> <laughs> it was the style of the time, says yeah. Self. So the fighting is continuing and it is not, it doesn't cease. There's no reprieve. And as you are kind of balancing from foot to foot, feeling this kind of like pull of duty, of action, a figure emerges, explodes from a side door. They start running out of the monastery. As they do, a couple of other adherents here chase, but are quickly struck down by a strange, kind of wicked-looking, angled sword. You see the shadowy figure poof into smoke and reappear elsewhere. And then once again, decorporealize and recorporealize. And this time, they are right in front of you. Almost like they didn't see that you were there. Their head kind of snaps back around and takes you in. This shadowy figure kind of materializes in front of Selv with kind of a small explosion of mist. There's a second where they lock eyes and are slightly surprised to see each other. So Selv shakes himself just a bit and takes a step to try to knock this figure off of its feet. He spins around and ducks down and sticks his leg out in an attempt to sweep the legs out from underneath this figure. As Selv does that, the figure just casually steps over over his legs and takes a step backwards. And so Selv gets into kind of a defensive fighting stance and says, I cannot let you leave from this place to which the figure says not in the voice that you remember not in the voice that you may have replayed countless times in the year since but in the voice of the shepherd stand aside stand aside you can't stop me you can't stop me and so Selv takes another swing at this creature this time aiming for the chest or the face and his arm is batted aside with the flat of this this sword that the figure is wielding. The figure slashes at Selv, cutting him across the chest and arm, and the sword itself flares in a black light. Selv is knocked from his feet, and the wound begins to burn. The figure runs past him, but in the split second where Selv was falling down, he saw what this figure was holding and was clutching to him. It looked to be about a foot and a half, maybe, tall silver egg. And with the outside of it looking like dragon scales, 
You get this brief glimpse of what this figure is carrying, an egg covered in silver scales. And you feel like you're almost locking eyes with the egg that you're looking at. All of a sudden, you see these two eyes and you hear a voice coming from this seemingly inanimate egg. Sal! Sal! Don't give up! Don't give up! Keep going! Keep going! Save us! I love the fadeaway. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like almost just like I gotta enjoy it for just a just a moment. Just a moment. Gonna sit there and bask in that one. As you process what you just saw, <laughs> as well as you remember past self realizing what happened and just having an inkling of coming to terms with the gravity and colossal nature of your failure. And just as that's starting to turn, the shepherd is there. The shepherd looks over their shoulder just a little bit, more theatrically probably than anything, and then looks down at you and says, that is a big secret. You are fully present self again, but You're still in the memory, and these feelings are starting to well up inside you. That you remember feeling in the moment, but also that you felt in the days and the months and the years afterwards, all hitting you at once and somehow magnified. There's kind of this doubt that creeps up. Because of what happened... And the way he found out that the monastery is protecting dragon eggs, he was never 100% sure that he was asked to join that particular order within the monastery because he was worthy of joining them or because he already knew and so therefore was asked to join so that he would keep the secret. And more and more hits you. And in ways that you've never felt before. I assume Selv has grappled with this feeling and felt it and had to live with it. But the way you're feeling it now is, at least to your memory, worse than you've ever felt it before. Your failure has never felt bigger, your shame has never felt bigger, and the questions of your worth have never been more magnified than they are in this moment. And the shepherd crouches down next to you and kind of looks at you and says, Self, I'm sorry. They shouldn't have put you in that situation. It was unfair of them to do that to you. Selv is going to be muttering something under his breath. Throughout the night, throughout the day, no mortal, undead, fiend or fay, or celestial with charming words to say shall divert us from our sacred word to protect and to watch. May my oath be heard. 
the shepherd just kind of shakes their head and they say ideals beliefs are so important but there's only so far they can take you and only so much that they can buttress you against things like this and ultimately things like me they kind of reach out a hand and lift your chin up a little and say don't worry I'm gonna fix it the only reaction from self is there is noticeable conflict between him wanting to have been able to stop that person whoever it was from stealing the egg and knowing that rewriting that and changing that event even if it's to forget it would be bad the shepherd sees this in you sees this conflict but also sees this kind of resoluteness they know what you're thinking and feeling almost maybe just because it's so transparent because of this connection or just because of some understanding they take their thumb on the chin of their wooden mask and flip it up to look at you and this is what you see give me that art I'll send it around everyone so that everyone can actually see this art I've been sitting on for two years. (laughs) Cool. Wow. Cool. (laughs) Thank you, dear artist. Wait, turn it my way. Whoa. Yeah. All right. All right. That's pretty cool. He's just like, he's just a guy. (laughs) He's just a guy. And that, that's what immediately, and what would have stood out to Val in kind of that moment. But it's just a, it's just a mortal. Uh, Again, it's a, it's a furbolg. And it has, you know, kind of the kind of almost like cowish nose and ears and long, a long mane of brown braided hair. The two things that stick out to you still certainly has its yellow eyes, even without the mask. And it also actually has those blue streaks coming from either side of their eyes. But these look a little bit more like tears like tear streaks running down their face and you realize now in ways that don't quite make sense to you intellectually that they actually have horns those deer horns antlers on their head and it's not a part of their mask and now a word from our sponsor This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words... Trust no one, Tyre. 
Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed Goblin Gunslinger. Hello everyone, GM Nathan here, and welcome once more to the mid-roll. This is where I remind you to follow us on all the social medias, particularly on Twitter at Reckless underscore Attack, where we are posting a variety of frogs and memes, and frog memes, and meme frogs. You can find all our socials by visiting our website at RecklessAttack.com, and much more. If you like us, consider supporting us on Patreon. It's one of the best ways to help us grow and improve the show. Early ad-free episodes, level-up talkbacks, and oodles of other stuff await you there at a variety of tiers. Lastly, don't forget to tell a friend if you're enjoying the show, or let us know by leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. That's all for me. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Selv will, will look up and just say, Who are you? I'm the shepherd. And I am here to take care of us all. In that moment, Selv, you see a flash behind the shepherd. It is nothing you recognize. But this entity, and the best way I can really describe it is like a person-shaped bit of static and like scribbles almost that is constantly changing and shifting, but still somehow reminiscent of a mortal shape. And whatever this figure is, in that moment, reaches down across the shepherd's neck and hoist them up, holding them a little bit in midair. This, whatever it is, looks down at you, Selv, and in a familiar but much clearer and less tinny voice, you hear the fortunate say, Selv, I think it's hero time. And... All of you are hit with this huge, just sledgehammer of emotion. Whatever you are feeling, it is just as big, maybe bigger, as the fortunate holding down the shepherd in this flash, in this moment, shows you all their worst day the day they woke up. You all are feeling this as if you are experiencing it. It is as real to you as it must have been for the fortunate then. You feel this cacophony of sensations, of emotions. It is so loud and so overwhelming that it's just chaos raging inside of you. 
You are scared. You are angry. You are confused. You're lost. You become aware of someone shouting at you. Briefly cutting through all this emotion, you can feel a pulse, like a heartbeat, thundering in your ear. It, it sharpens your focus a little, but whatever they're saying, it makes you feel small, makes you angry, makes you hurt. You take whatever this is in your hand and you stab someone who's shouting at you. Others join. Others like you join. The pulse of the mortal slows, as does whatever small bit of comfort it gave you. You and your soldiers in arms remain and wander and rage. Self, at the end of this, you snap back. You are no longer in your memory. You are no longer in the memory of the fortunate. The entire guild is snapped out of the memory. You find yourselves in this shadowy grove. Can the three of you please describe what it is that Selv sees that you guys have been doing as you were taking advantage of the time that he was buying you in this terrible place? Selv would see Valeska have that aura about her again, that light blue warming glow and Valeska with this aura around her is centered facing the tree trunk and has both hands on it as if she's embracing a mortal's face and caressing it to show it care to show it that someone is here to help. Val is channeling her healing energy into this tree trunk to help as many members of the council fight back against the shepherd and is solely focused on spreading this healing energy throughout the branches, throughout the tree trunks, and as Cass and Checkers need it, pulse more energy to the council members that they may be helping at the time. So I think as this whole thing has been going on, the vines that were originally in this place have started to creep and move around, and Selv, when you kind of snap back to it, you see piles of vines around you and this battered-looking mango standing by your side, trying to claw and punch at these vines to keep them off you. And you also see in the distance, Checkers standing next to Val, doing the same thing. And as the two of you make eye contact, you just hear this croaking voice say to you, 
She came back to herself. Good job. And next to you, Selv, you see the figure of Kaskrin, donned in his heavy armor, protected by his rock, but it's all battered. It's all broken. As if the arm itself has seen years of wear in the span of a few minutes. And he says towards Selv, We almost didn't make it, but I think we're finally there. I know what you've been through. I know it was hard, but you kept the shepherd in a trance long enough for us to free the council from his hold. And even still in all of your darkest memories and your in your darkest times, now is the time for you to show us what you're made of. To show us your light and to show the shepherd that we are more than just our darkest times. We are more than our shame and our failure and our despair. Self, you see that the fortunate in their suit of armor, looking normal but without their shield, without their spear, is in much the same position as you saw their kind of staticky, strange version in the dream, holding the shepherd as they're still kind of in this trance. The fortunate looks over at you and says, do you want to hit him for real? Self will straighten up and then will say, I promised to protect. May my oath be heard. I will attempt to hit the shepherd. You step forward to begin attacking the shepherd who's still in this trance. And the fortunate, you see they kind of extend their gauntleted hand straight towards the shepherd's chest. And you see it is charged with this energy. It plunges towards the chest of the shepherd. And you see that same kind of bluish energy that you saw kind of react to self-hitting the first time intermingle. But this time, the fortunate, you see their hands curl a little bit and they move their arm and kind of rip some of this arcane shielding away from them. And you all experience something else briefly. You experience... The thing that you are using as your fuel, as your ammunition, as your arcane power in this moment, in this place against this foe, because you see the fortunate's best memory. You and the rest of you sit in the walled city. You don't know why you're here. You don't know how long you have been here. You just are. You hear the pulses, the heartbeats, before you hear the shouting. Mortals, here. Some approach. Shout louder. Somehow, 
It helps. Even as you all sense their fear and their sadness and their hopelessness, and even as you feel your own anger and sorrow and melancholy, you are hurting less. You are a little clearer. For the first time since you've been awake, you are you. For the first time since you've been awake, you are. And that is when time speeds back up and Selv continues his kind of follow-through. And I'm imagining it is also charged with kind of similar energy as the fortunate had to kind of rip open this opening. Selv is remembering the first time he took the oath and then the first time he was escorted into the dragon egg chamber at the monastery. Just walking in and seeing that the egg that he failed to protect was not the last one. Just being able to know that even though he failed to stop that figure from stealing the egg and and leaving and getting away, he can still keep his oath to protect the ones that remain. As Selv hits and follows through on the shepherd, and as the fortunate continues to hold them, the members of the Deepwood Council are also seemingly again kind of joining hands in a circle now more much more conscious than they were and are chanting something together that is also pushing this kind of strange differently colored energy that has been on the fists of your compatriots towards the shepherd and is also kind of stripping away more and more of this protective layer surrounding the shepherd what do the three of you do in this moment Val, no longer needing to maintain this aura around her, looks to her side and sees Checkers and puts a hand on his shoulder and gives it a little squeeze and remembers the joy of coming together as friends, as guilders. It's not one moment, but a flood of small moments of checkers asking her for writing assignments and learning <laughs> how to read, uh, of Kaskrin making breakfast together. All these small moments that have changed her life in incremental ways since she's left home. Kaskrin looks on with panicked eyes of the raw emotion that they have subjected themselves to in the time that they've been here. But in his final swing against the shepherd here, he is grinning. He is crying. 
he's experiencing an out-of-body sensation. In much the same way as Valeska, Kaskrin remembers all of the little moments that just have made him smile over the past couple months. Not just the time that we've been traveling, not just the time that we have been in Agmar, but the months of training, of being on the road. He remembers the campfires, the card games, petting Mango for hours on end. And it's like, is leaving the safety of his home, of Lotros, and venturing out into the unknown. Embracing the fear of that unknown. He's found who he is. So, Checker's mind is not here. He is living in a moment where he is perched on top of the guild hall in Agmar. And he is listening to the sounds of people below in the streets. He is listening to the tinkering of Etris in his workshop. He is listening to the fluttering of Taroth <laughs> as he flaps about the guild hall. And for the first time, I think maybe in Checker's whole life, he feels like he is at peace. He feels like he has somewhere that he belongs, where he does not need to be someone else, and where he does not need to chase something else, something bigger, something grander. He feels like he has somewhere that he can rest and just be for a while. And that, to him, I think is the happiest he's ever been, the most valuable feeling that he can think of. As he thinks about the people around him who have made it happen and just kind of pushes that energy towards self. Your blows rain down upon the shepherd. And as it happens, they cry out. Help me. Please, help me. But you all realize that this is not directed to you. The shepherd's eyes are pointed upwards, lost to their own memory. You all see what Val saw. A younger, less tired-looking shepherd sitting in a cave in front of a strange portal meditating and seemingly at peace you see a flash forward where the cave looks different it is the same cave but it has aged but the shepherd has not aged much they are now covered with small streaks of blue wearing their mask rumbling from outside. Horrible sounds. Sounds that some of you perhaps heard, but sounds that rang out for a long time for many people. 
The shepherd emerges from their cave and looks at what can be described as a walking mountain, an ultra giant, laying absolute destruction in their wake. And the shepherd pulls back their mask and looks on in horror, in confusion, and then in resolution. You see flashes of the shepherd fighting the ultra giant, of leading it astray, of summoning creatures, of flying around it to little to no avail. Eventually, night has fallen. It is the same day. The shepherd is tired, is battered. Just outside of their cave, you see them look up to the heavens and hold their arms above their head, praying. They yell out, Please, please help. It's too much. It's all been too much. Please come back. Please. And the gods do not answer. This dimension starts collapsing in on itself. It's all happening very quickly. The fortunate walks over to Selv and to Kaskrin, who are still kind of standing the closest, and just puts a hand on each of your shoulders and just kind of nods at the two of you. As this is all happening, they say, So, this is what adventuring is like. I think I like it. A lot of meaning in this kind of work, I think. Perhaps there is an opening in the guild. They look at you and they say, Take care of the city. Take care of us. Take care of each other. And then you are shunted back to reality. You're back in the council chambers. The council members are present, are conscious, and are removing themselves from the tree. You all are here. You are tired. <laughs> you are you are feeling the battle that you are having. And you begin hearing the sounds of commotion coming from all around you. The shepherd is there as well. They look at the four of you and their shoulders are slumped. They don't have the same presence that they did. They turn and they lift up their lantern and a doorway leading to a blue alien night sky opens. They say, don't follow me. It wouldn't be safe. And as they turn to go, they pause and they reach down into a pouch they have and 
sprinkle some things on the ground and say, for you all, for closure. Then pauses and then looks down at something in their hand that they also clearly pulled out. And they look at self and say, who I am and my best day and flicks it also on the ground next to whatever else they threw you see a flash of arcane energy light up as this kind of hits the ground and the shepherd looks at you all and says maybe there is a future for the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild but I think they need a proper name Oh, and I'm sorry to say, they don't really have souls. They're not real. They're a bundle of energy and emotion, and they didn't belong there. Selv and Kaskrin, you realize that there's a particularly heavy weight on your shoulder for where the fortunate left their hand in the other world. Kaskrin slowly turns his gaze from the shepherd as he walks towards his blue portal and turns around towards where he knows the fortunate must be. The four of you see a set of armor. The fortunate set of armor. But growing through Every crack in the armor, cracks you had never seen open, every little joint, everything has vines, flowers, roots growing from it. They don't move, and there's nothing there. Fortunate. I'll kind of tap the armor. I told you, they're, they're not real. And the shepherd turns and walks through the portal. In the rush of large birds crashing through windows, of juniper returning, of raven mounts coming to your aid a mere few moments later, Selv you wander over to where the shepherd threw down these small tokens and you pick up what they had dropped. There are five little tokens there. Four of them are familiar metal golden tree gilder badges. As you flip them over, you see... The names, Gabriella Pratton, Catherine Ware, Gasorn, Adatar Gashur, who you know are the names of your four predecessors in Agmar. The fifth item is another Golden Tree Adventuring Guild badge, but this one is made out of wood and seems battered and old. You turn that over, and you 
do not see a name, but you see what appears to be a familiar symbol of a crooked shepherd's staff. And as you look down and a little bit past these badges in your hand, you see a word etched in the ground in a language that you guys don't understand. That upon further reflection, further study, further communion with the council, you realize is one of the old words of magic. And you put together is one of the old words of magic from the original name of the Golden Tree Guild. And that is where we will end this week's episode, everyone. No tears, only tears. Bye, everyone. Take care of yourselves. We love you. He's experiencing an out-of-body sensation, remembering, um, I was going to say how much money he's lost to the fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> that can be happy. Yeah. That can be good times. Yeah. Campfire nights. <laughs>